Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Think about experience in terms of value. To quote Steve Jobs, don't start with the technology, start with the experience that you wish to offer. And this goes to the heart of the value proposition. Don't think of the value proposition as just part of something that marketing do that's external to your strategy. And also think about how you can help develop a sense of experience right across all the different units. So everyone understands their contribution to the final experience. Really help people understand value from an experiential perspective and understand their own personal contributions, however small. And that is where you get the systemic effects. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast today as my guest, Simon Robinson, the CEO of Holonomics, co-founder of the Deep Tech Network, a technology magazine columnist, Harvard Business Review author, and co-author of Deep Tech and the Amplified Organization, of Customer Experiences with Soul, and Holonomics business where people and planet matter. Simon is respected globally for his contributions to customer experience strategy and deep tech, having created numerous design methods and frameworks such as the new four P's and the Holonomic Circle. With three decades of experience in customer experience design, Simon is an internet pioneer and award-winning innovator, having co-founded British Telecom's Genie Internet, the world's first mobile internet portal, and contributing to the design and launch of the world's first smartphones. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain of this show, go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel. There, you'll be able to get your own digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to amazing podcast guests like Simon, as well as me, of course, and you'll have access to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. We've minted just 30 copies of this digital token, and I'm not sure how many have gone, yet I didn't check before I started this recording. There are a few left, I know, so get in quick before they're snapped up. In our conversation today, Simon talked to me about customer experience and employee 
experience based on values and value proposition. He explained the idea of elevated value propositions based on customer lived experiences. And we talked about strategy as a way of organising conversations. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Simon Robinson. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today. I think my first guest from Brazil, if I recall correctly, from Sao Paulo in Brazil, Simon Robinson, who's the CEO of Holonomics and author of Deep Tech and the Amplified Organization, and also another book, Customer Experiences with Soul. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Simon. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thanks, Jürgen. Yes, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. Now, Mike Wittenstein, who was our guest on episode 532 of the Innova Buzz podcast, he introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So a big hello to Mike. Absolutely. Um, he's doing some really interesting work and I really enjoyed listening to his podcast with you. Excellent. Yeah, that was a fun episode too. Well, like they all are actually, but yeah. the yeah, your um, holonomics approach, really interesting concept and I'm really looking forward to exploring that some more, the whole idea of regenerative organisations, regenerative experiences and technologies bringing together the kind of human experience and the technology side of it. So as I say, um, that's areas that I'm really interested in, so I'm really looking forward to exploring that some more. Before we get into that, though, what's the impact you're making in the world, Simon? I do believe that if I really think about what the most fundamental part of our work is, it's really showing people that it is possible to have an impact by basing your work on the five universal human values of peace, truth, love, righteousness and non-violence and you can do that within uh, the environment of deep technology and advanced technology i do believe that technology should be of service to people rather than the other way around so a lot of the time we're really helping organizations to deeply transform transform their approach to how they work with their people and how their what their approach is to technology moving forward. Mm, that's fabulous, and uh, I like that you said technology should be in service of people and people, yeah. and what what we're aiming to do rather than the other way around. And I think we often lose sight of that sometimes, and that's why I talk about making marketing and making podcasting human, because in in the quest to make things more efficient and adopt technology that is really helpful to us, we kind of abdicate a lot of that human interaction to the technology. Yeah, absolutely. Because for me, we're both living in very challenging times. And yet I see so much potential. And I liken the stage we're at now with technology like Web3 and the metaverse to when we were really experimenting with the mobile internet. If you think back to the first mobile internet phones, the experience was was very poor. It didn't meet people's expectations. But look at what it's become now. It's completely transformed our lives. 
and I do see an awful lot that is problematic with uh, certain, for example, metaverse implementations. But at the same time, I don't want to be critical. I think it's so important to encourage, especially our young designers, our young developers, our young technologists, and really try and nudge them in new directions, more creative and more deeper directions than we're currently achieving right now. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it's, I think it's one of those things, like as, as someone that, that's keen on exploring technology and how it might be used, I've always been an early adopter of new things. And sometimes, as you say, that comes with the frustrations of, oh, this doesn't do what I really want. And, and some of that frustration, and um, if I reflect back on it, and, and it, I was sort of conscious of this at the time, some of that frustration is the recognition, this could be this fabulous thing, but it's a long way away yeah. from that. So there's, there's that sense of frustration of um, it, it's not anywhere near this fabulous thing it could be, but then persevering with that, as you say, and, and learning and growing with the technology as the technology develops means that you're pretty comfortable when it gets to the point of you can actually use it. And I think that's that's been the journey I've been on. So I think it's a really valid point to persevere with these things, but provide that feedback to those developers so that it's it brings in that set of human values that you talked about. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And it's been fascinating for us because I coined the phrase customer experiences with soul in 2015. And the reason I created this term was um, I'd been invited to do a, a TEDx talk. I was really trying to find the essence of what it was that I was doing and what I was creating uh, with our consultancy. And I realized it's like, yeah, we don't just do customer experience. No, we're helping develop customer experiences with soul, helping people, helping companies design products and services that help give us a deeper experience of what it means to be human in this world. And that's where that comes from. But there was still quite a lot of resistance from especially, you know, senior executive teams. They just didn't quite get it. Hmm. And then unfortunately, along came COVID and the pandemic. And it was really interesting. A number of like leaders who were very familiar with our work, but didn't really engage with it. They kind of started coming to us and saying, all right, I really get it now. We need to do more. We're not doing enough, not just for say our customers, but they realized the power of the ecosystem. Yeah. They realized that they needed to have a deeper connection with people beyond just a simple product or service offering. So now it, it's really interesting. This is coming back, but we're applying our customer experiences with sole approach to deep tech and not just deep tech, but the transformation of organizations. And that's why our book's called Deep Tech and the Amplified Organization, because you can't have one without the other. You can't have digital transformation without cultural transformation and without really amplifying your impact. It's no longer just enough to be future fit, to focus on shareholder value. It's incredible the value propositions and the creativity and innovation you can come up with when you really have this expanded view of what an organization is moving forward into the future. Mm. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack there. 
I guess coming back to this idea of of universal human values and and their role in our society. I mean, they're kind of baked in, aren't they, into our society? And yet, um, in in a lot of these organisations or technologies, we're kind of focused either on the technology or we're focused on mm-hmm. the the um, financials, the return on investment, and we forget about some of those human values. So, what? How can we? put those front and centre in everything we do at a personal level and also an organisational level? Yeah, thanks. I think, first of all, we really need to understand what we mean by universal human values because the five universal human values are said to be peace, truth, love, non-violence and right action. And these can be found in the most ancient of scriptures but why are they said to be universal? What's the universal part of um, human values? These are the values that are said to express the highest form of humanity. So when we as people personally are expressing all five universal human values in what we do and our relationships with people, that is the greatest expression of humanity that it's possible to have. But what does this mean when it comes to technology? Well, there's one interpretation of deep tech that says, well, deep tech is advanced technology or it's complex technology or it's technology based on scientific insights. But for us, if technology does not express or allow people to express the five universal human values, then it's not deep. Yeah, it's just technology. And again, I'd love to keep this conversation super positive, but we we can't be naive to the kind of actions of big tech and um, other industries in terms of how they're potentially using and abusing uh, social media, uh, artificial intelligence, algorithms to impact uh, maybe negatively and unconsciously on our lives. So this is why we truly believe that when you develop technology, when you innovate, when you're creative from a position that comes from attempting to express these universal human values, it just has phenomenal impact. And as you said, yes, these values have always been there in society, but they've never always been, they haven't always been explicit. So what we're doing in our work is kind of just reminding people that this is one way of thinking of humanity is the highest expression and it's i think one of the most rewarding things that i've had over the last few years is when we show the human values on at a conference it's the most photographed slide you know the 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 uh, smartphones come up so there's something really resonating there and again i think we when you see the impact of the pandemic in terms of working at home virtual working hmm people are getting a bit burned out. There hasn't been a more kind of profound shift in many large organizations approach to how they work with their people, how they engage people. But those organizations that really do start to understand human values, it's been incredible. We, we can, you know, Maria and I in Holonomics, we've helped turn around companies. We've helped elevate their value propositions and it's been a real inspiration to see how people within these organizations have reacted once the most senior leaders really understand 
the universality of these values and how it's a way to truly connect uh, people with the essence of what, what the company is doing, how they offer value to people and the impact they're seeking to achieve. Because right now, especially if you look at ESG, for example, as an initiative, some things are working and other things are not working. And perhaps those ESG initiatives that are maybe not working, there's maybe a slight lack of articulation of human values. Maybe there's other things happening there. Hmm. But as I said, it's, it's just incredible when you really have an opportunity to allow people to go into these human values, how they interpret them, what it means to them personal, personally, to hear people's personal stories, which is incredible. And then you start to really shift an organization's consciousness, expand their thinking, expand their consciousness, and they start to think about value and impact in new ways. But without this discussion of values, it's very difficult to get that shift that I know so many other people are looking looking to achieve. Hmm. Yeah, well, you touched on something there that I think might be a bit of a positive out of the pandemic. It's people have kind of recognised that connection the element of human connection is so important. And when it was taken away from us, when when there were lockdowns and um, isolation forced upon us due to the pandemic, um, all of a sudden we recognised that and particularly the whole work from home phenomenon where yeah. organisations suddenly realised that, hey, if people aren't in the office and kind of in having these serendipitous interactions, if you like, because they cross paths in the corridor or they're um, having a chat at the, at the kitchen, in the kitchenette while they're picking up their tea or coffee um, or you know, sharing a ride in the elevator, whatever that might be, all of those serendipitous interactions suddenly taken away and all of a sudden that, that human connection bit fell apart. And that I think that played into this kind of experience of maybe we need to explore more what's behind that what is the need there and how not only how do we connect people back with one another in this new environment but also how do we connect them with the mission of the organization so i think there are a lot of those questions that came up you... yeah it's really interesting that you say that because um Companies now do, many, many big companies have a big question with how to retain their top talent. Mm. You know, people are resigning, people are looking to achieve new things in their lives. And one thing that's become apparent to us is that a lot of companies treat their HR departments as an operational department. Mm. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have a strategic role. It's like, oh, payroll, it's about recruitment. Yeah. And so there's a real need, I feel, for um, HR people to be taken much more seriously by their um, boards and for the, the companies to recognize that they now really have to give HR a proper strategic role in the boardroom and to really understand that it's not just about um, seeking new technologies, new platforms. If you don't really, really value the human dimension, then everything you're doing technologically, it's not going to have the results that are, are actually imagined. 
So this is why, you know, I mentioned with Holonomics, you know, the name of our company, it's like about wholeness. How do you treat the whole problem? So you can't separate a digital transformation. And in the pandemic, a lot of companies <laughs> tried to catch up with their digital transformation initiatives. Some worked, some didn't. The ones that worked understood that there's no separation between, say, cultural transformation, mm -hmm. shifting into new ways of working and the actual digital operating system of the business, its architectures, platform architectures and digital systems that it uses. So yeah, it's a, it, this is a really important conversation that many organizations need to be having now. Really, it's time to value people properly and give HR that strategic position it deserves. Yeah, yeah, that's a really important point. And I think it it applies across the board, though. And and you talked about cultural transformation. I think that, that that's an essence of the cultural transformation is treating those functions or those roles as in service of people, in service of other humans. Uh, the other example, and I know you're big into this, you talk about customer experiences with Soul, is the customer service department or the customer experience department that, again, you know, I think all of what you said about human resources applies to that in in most organizations like you deal with customer service when there's an issue when there's a problem it's not something yeah. and and then there are scripts and processes that they take you through rather than treating you as yeah. as a human that has a problem that needs to be dealt with and and the faster you can deal with this problem and get on with your life um, the happier you're going to be and yet they um, you know often there's just processes in place and you have to go through that process whether you like it or not whether it's going to help you or not yeah i mean it, exactly and it's really interesting because there are you would imagine that in this day and age you know 2022 you would imagine that every executive would be hot on understanding the impact that the customer experience has on the perception perception of the brand products and services, but it's not just not true. For example, not so long ago, I had a conversation with a top executive and he just said, well, I can't focus on the customer experience because I'm focused on get, getting results. <laughs> and I just thought, well, how can you possibly get results <laughs> if people are rejecting everything that you're doing? And also, um, there still isn't really enough attention paid to the employee experience because it's people that deliver mm. customer experiences exactly. with yeah. soul. And so one of the, okay, so what can I say meaningful, uh, meaningfully at this time that can have an impact? The most important thing to really help executives is to help them articulate their value proposition. Because again, sometimes we imagine that every senior executive knows how to articulate the value that their brand and their organization offers to customers and clients. But again, it's shocking the often inability of every executive to articulate that. Every executive from every single department, not just you know the marketing department mm. or the sales department. And once you really start to help people articulate value, then you can do something that we, uh, then you can start entering a process that we call value proposition elevation 
And what is this? This is getting away from a technology-centric view of value, thinking, oh, we've got platforms, got Instagram, got social networking, blah, blah, blah. How do we connect these technologies together? To really thinking about what is the value we offer now and what value do we need to be offering in order to truly become a future fit organization and become able to sustain the challenges that we know are coming in a way in which develops meaningful and long-term relationships with people and has wider impact beyond just the pure but important you know financial results so these are the kind of things we we can do uh, that are meaningful to you know the most senior and most influential people in an organization because right now i'm, I'm sure you find this Organizations have many, many, many good people really, really wanting to do good, wanting to have more of an impact, wanting to amplify what they're doing. But there are blockages and these blockages come from, as I said, uh, the most senior executives not really understanding the experience they offer or the value that they provide. It, it's crazy. But when you get into this, then you can really start to innovate and be creative without doing this kind of groundwork it's not really possible to jump into the innovation stage which i think many people try to do and it's good you you, you can start to develop it, develop things but it if it's not fully integrated into the strategy and the heart of organization it's not going to really have this long-term impact because it won't be fully integrated into um, everyone's understanding of what the brand what the organization really is what the essence really is because then you can't articulate that communicate that and align that with everyone else in the organization yeah yeah and and there's one thing you said there that i think is really key and that's uh, to understanding that vision and being able to articulate it and that's looking at it from the experience that the customer actually has and the experience the customer is looking for so looking at it through their lens and i often um, find myself doing something as a customer of an organization and thinking, I don't think this organization has ever gone through that experience as a customer. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the experience is like for the customer because it's it, there's often times where I'm really frustrated with an experience and I think, who designed mm -hmm. this? This is really hopeless and clearly... People don't design experiences like that to frustrate their customers, and yet they forget to actually have a look at it from the customer's side as to what that might be. And then, of course, when they articulate value, um, if they do, if they do do that work to articulate that value, it's something that's actually disconnected from what the customer is looking for. Yeah, I mean, because again, I think a lot of companies, if I, if I think about what you're saying, it, it's really interesting. A lot of companies don't really understand what experience it is or how you measure it. They're happy to do um, attitude surveys, for example, and maybe do the net promoter score. But I think it's really good to think about, well, what is the customer experience? And you can think about it in terms of three dimensions. One, was the customer successful? Did they manage to do Hmm. what they set out to do. Did they go to a um, a website and manage to buy a discounted 
flight at the price advertised? Were they successful? How much force was necessary? Did they really have to make an effort or was it really mm. simple and easy? And then there's the emotional dimension. How mm. pleasant was it? How what how how did that really make you feel? Did it did it inspire you? Did it or did it depress you? You know, what the emotions mm. were going through that experience. And so this is what we do. We encourage organizations to think about their um, experience along those three dimensions. But then, then this is a really interesting part. How do you elevate that? Yeah, how do you elevate and create um, an elevated value proposition? You go into what we call lived experience. And this is very interesting when you really try and attempt to go into the lived experience of different people, because then when you do this exercise, you open up new questions about experience. So for example, we've been involved developing some social impact technologies for education in Brazil. And we have to remember that vast numbers of people don't have access to laptops, don't have access to broadband. Yeah. So there's a lot of educational solutions that just lock out that prevent that other people don't have access to, but they do have access to smartphones, you know, not iPhones, but they do have access to smartphones. But the question is, when you go into the lived experience, it's not just about how do you deliver education? What are you trying to teach them? You can ask questions like, how can you help communities develop a deeper sense of belonging to their community? How can you help develop a sense of self-esteem in people that will then inspire people that were previously excluded from technology to take part. They were previously excluded from thinking about a career in technology, a career in coding, a career in design. How can you use the technology not just to do the, the pure um, intellectual or academic teaching, but what else can you do that is necessary and important to take people on that journey, to take young people on that journey. This is deep technology, yeah? It's not just thinking about, say, education from a mechanistic perspective. It's going into the lived experience of different communities, hmm. um, you know, not just different nationalities, but really going into it at that level. That is really interesting to me when you can ask those questions of the lived experience of those people using the technology and you get answers that you don't necessarily expect. Mm, that's fascinating. So how can organizations take that approach, do that analysis that helps them elevate that experience? I think they first need to really recognize that maybe they don't necessarily have the expertise to think about experience. So the first thing we do, um, don't just focus on customer experience. Don't just focus on the employee experience. Think about experience in terms of value. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I need to quote, uh, Steve Jobs in, in the nineties, Steve Jobs said, don't start with the technology, start with the experience that you wish to offer. And this goes to the heart of the value proposition. Yeah. Don't think of the value proposition as just part of something that marketing do that's external to your strategy. 
and also think about how you can help develop a sense of experience right across all the different units. So, you know, for example, we have a customer experiences with Soul Canvas that's really designed to connect people in a networked fashion across the organization so everyone understands their contribution to the final experience. And, and so I think this is the first step, really help people understand value from an experiential perspective and understand their own personal contributions, however small. And that is where you get the systemic effects, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Then you're able to enter into, say, a deep tech discovery phase, which is where you're starting to innovate from a deeper perspective, from an expanded um, level of consciousness. So you can really start to ask new and deeper questions and, and ex extend your view of innovation away from just the technology needed to really think about what it is that you're offering, what is the value and what is the experience and what is the impact on the lived experience of people. Because it's, this is something really that very few, say, customer experience books touch on, really going into lived experience. It's life as we live it, as we experience, mm -hmm. as life appears to us in our personal worlds. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it it's a different approach to the traditional. And I guess one of the things you talked about, I mean, companies often have a mission statement or a vision statement mm -hmm. and the ones that make better use of it than just a one-time exercise and then it goes into a drawer somewhere or maybe it's a, yeah. a poster on the wall somewhere. Um, they manage to communicate it within the organization and, and people actually understand or people know what the vision statement or mission statement is and there's some sense of alignment around that. But what you're talking about is taking that to here's the lived experience. So how can we yeah, yeah. kind of take that idea of that lived experience, articulate it in a way that really is just a really clear snapshot that everybody in the organization can understand and then to me, then it's, okay, every interaction I'm having, whether it's inside the organization or outside the organization, is that congruent with this ideal lived experience? I think if I, yeah, I'm trying to, that's a great question, because I'm trying to think how we actually work. And one thing that we, our approach to strategy is a little bit different, yeah? And this is one, you know, Maria, my wife, who's also the CEO um, of Holonomics in Brazil, she's an expert in strategy and strategy execution. And one thing she's always said is that strategy is a way of organizing conversations. Mm -hmm. Now, this is very, very different to thinking about strategy as the final outcome mm. of what you wish the organization to do. There's... There's a kind of um, change of perspective here to understand strategy as a way of organizing, organizing conversations. And how do we do that? We do that through strategy mapping and understanding strategy from multiple perspectives, finance, sustainability, uh, customers, markets, uh, 
inner processes, internal processes and people and culture. And I think leadership, when you take that approach, it's not easy, but you have to then have experts in facilitating conversations and facilitating mm. dialogue. And when you do that, and you have to do that in different, you have to find a way to do this with everyone in the organization. So for example, um, the typical business tools used by executives and senior managers, that's not going to work for the, you know, people who are maybe further down the organizational hierarchy, but you don't have to dumb things down. You, you respect people. You think about their lived experience and you use things like visual storytelling. Yeah. We, we work with, um, we work a lot visually and with stories and a story is a way to capture all the complexity of a strategy in a way that articulates the interconnections, but in a way that can be meaningful, uh, to people who don't necessarily have this business background or maybe more privileged, you know, um, educational background that maybe people higher up the organization have. Mm. So yeah, if I think about if I if I go to the real essence of what we're doing in holonomics, it's helping people to understand strategy as a way of organizing conversations and thereby fully aligning people through a completely different way to thinking about communication. Mm. That that's how you get to the heart of it. Mm. That's a fascinating insight and fascinating kind of reframe of strategy because often organizations think of strategy it's something you kind of um yeah it's an operational plan really isn't it um rather than yeah they they think of strategy as the outcome the what mm, yeah yeah that, that's it you know they often just just think of strategy as the what this is an important part yeah i'm not hmm. denying that this is an important part of the what you're going to do but then there's also strategy of how you do it and how you conceive what is the essence of strategy. Hmm. It's alignment yeah, around an understanding of what you're going to do. So again, you know, it's possible to have conversations with, you know, the most senior of executives and they can complain, oh, our people don't understand the strategy. It's like, well, have you ever communicated it? Well, no. <laughs> well, how can, how do you know that people are actually doing yeah. what they should? be doing yeah, if yeah. you haven't really attempted to you know communicate it or align yeah you, yeah. you still find and, these basic things yeah and it all comes back to what we talked about earlier this um, connection between people in the organization then then of course the connection to the customer to provide mm -hmm. that elevated experience right throughout well in in all of those interactions which is kind of at the heart of your philosophy, I think, of holonomics and the communication um, part is, is really critical there. So I love the strategy as a way to organize all the conversations because those conversations have to be ongoing, right? You talk about facilitated yeah. um, for everybody, but then on a day-to-day -day basis, those conversations have to continue in terms of okay well how do we do this now how do we implement that and that might be a conversation between two or three people rather than the whole organization so having a strategy around how are they going to take place yeah, yeah. and th this this really transforms even the most biggest organization because what how, how did 
how did organizations do strategy maybe 20 years ago? You know, in no October, November, they would start to have their conversations. They'd have these big um, annual meetings. Everyone would contribute and they, you know, maybe by February, March, they would have their strategy for the year, which would begin to be put in operation well, in the UK anyway, in April, the start of the organization's financial year. And then they would execute that strategy and then look at the outcome of that strategy a year mm. later. You can't do that anymore. You know, think you have to be far more agile. You have to be able to react to an ever changing um, economic landscape and social landscape. And when you do set up your organization as a living organization and the livingness comes through the um, the transmission of information and data and meaningful conversations, yeah, then you can really start to become far more agile. But again, in addition, the only real way to achieve agility is through um, human values. Because when you have values, you honor people, you respect people, other people honor, honor others and respect others, and you don't need um, massive swathes of bureaucracy and rules because people are living through values. They don't have to be mm. told what to do and control. Yeah. You know, you have this level of trust because they are fully aligned and engaged and, you know, living the mission because they are genuinely empowered and having an impact. Mm. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, this is fabulous. I mean, we could go on for ages talking, digging okay, deeper yeah. into deep tech and and holonomics and uh, um, whole customer experience thing. I think it's a good point now, though, to move on to the buzz and we will refer back to the books later on so people can dig deeper themselves. Um, the buzz is our innovation round. Same five questions that I ask of every guest. And the idea is you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today. Are you all set? Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Now, the number one thing anyone needs to be to do to be more innovative. For me, it just the only thing I really do when I start is think about what is the experience we're wishing to provide. I think nowadays there's so much technology available in different formats. If you, you can get lost in technology. Uh, you know, we've touched on this before. So really start with the experience and think about value. Think about the value you're trying to offer people first and foremost as an experience that you're offering. And then other things will start to fall into place. The technology will fall into place based on this more fundamental element that you're trying to innovate and achieve. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And it also... Uh, focuses back on what we were talking about earlier, the whole idea of that human connection and, and the experience that you want them to have as as the core of the value. And then people ultimately say, oh, we can provide that experience with this technology or with that technology. Or no, we don't have the technology to provide that, so we'll develop something. Yeah, no, exactly, mm. exactly. All right. Uh, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? If I think about my own creative process, I've become far more disciplined in writing my ideas down as soon as I have them. Mm -hmm. I have lost 
so many ideas. And I think the other thing that I do when I write the ideas down, I'm quite an intuitive person. And by that, I don't mean, oh, I think I have a feeling about what's going to happen in the future. No, by intuition, it's a kind of precognitive idea that you can't necessarily immediately articulate. Mm. But maybe if you just, I, I try and jot down the essence of the idea as best as possible, and then I can come back to it. And sometimes I've been so convinced I can remember an idea, and, you know, the following day, it's incredible what I've forgotten <laughs> because I was operating I was operating from this creative space of intuition, yeah, you know, yeah. more of a scientific intuition. So I get it down and then something in what I've written can trigger the, the reminder of that intuitive idea. And then you have to spend a lot of force, you know, taking it from that intu intuition to something that can be articulated and shared. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And and I I can certainly empathise with that. Um, I often get these ideas when I'm doing something completely different. So they're obviously coming from somewhere in the unconscious, um, which is kind of you can describe as intuition, I guess. But if you don't capture them in that moment, then just as easily, and as you described, they kind of, go back into the unconscious and, and then that's where they are. They're unconscious. You don't know about them. Um, yeah, I, f I find um, I, I use my smartwatch now because often I'm out riding the bike and, of course, I don't want to stop and ruin my average to write something down. And I've learned how to um, do a voice prompt to record the thought I've had and then I can come back to it later and do, as you said, you sort of, okay, I remember that now. All right. Do you have a favourite resource? I've just shared one of mine. Do you have a favourite resource you use most often? Yeah, I'm. I'm almost a bit embarrassed to say this, but it is the physical post-it notes, <laughs> and I'm a great one. I'm a little bit embarrassed. I know I should be citing some kind of software, but I'm a great <laughs> one for writing yeah. things down. And I tell you, but what I do, it's just this kind of embodied way of moving things around and seeing new patterns, seeing mm. new relationships, if I'm really trying to organize my thinking. So I, I do do that. And the other thing I will do, especially in this like virtual, I've had a lot of virtual conversations that have been creative. So it's actually the record function on Google Meet. Mm. There are many times when, as I said, I've articulated an idea and then someone has said, oh, you should write that down. And I cannot, even though it's like literally a few seconds afterwards, I can't remember it. <laughs> so we've had, I've had quite a few times where I've just known in advance that I should be recording a conversation. So I use the record function on Google Meet. And you've got the idea there because when you're in the zone, again, my own creative process is I can articulate things at times, but I'm in a kind of in that state of flow. And it's very difficult to go from a state of flow when you can articulate something to then remembering that when yeah. you come out of that state of flow. So, yeah, I, I do that together. Yeah. I do those two, yeah, that's, those two things the most. That's great, isn't so it? If we talk about, you know, the, being an, if we talk about innovation and creativity, yeah. those are the two things, especially I've been using over the last couple of years. Mm. 
Yeah, I love the idea of recording conversations. I, I really love that. And I find myself often in a conversation, I can articulate something that if I then sit down to write that out, it, it just doesn't come out that well. Um, so I've been recording conversations like you, and I then use some transcription software and pull out the relevant transcription bits. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, that's really good. Um, I just need to pull out all my ums and you knows, which are my favorite filler words. And then I can work on that and maybe craft craft the message a little bit more from there. But I've got a great starting point. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, it's interesting. We actually wrote our book, Deep Tech and the Amplified Organization, at the very start of the pandemic. And we weren't able to meet up physically as I would have loved. But yeah, a lot of that came out of, you know, we recorded it, the conversations to record things that we knew we were going to talk about anyway. But then deeper, different insights just came out naturally. Mm. And we had all of that recorded. So it just really speeded up the writing process. Yeah, love it. All right, now what's the best way to keep a client on track? Oh, the one, if I if I think what I do explicitly, it's really, you have to continually check assumptions. You don't just um, check assumptions when you're maybe putting together a proposal. You have to continually check assumptions because you just cannot align people around expectations unless you are able to have mature discussions around the assumptions that people are making. I think where the projects I've been involved in, you know, many years ago have maybe not worked out is because different parties had different expectations and different assumptions, but you have to do this continually because it's amazing. Things can creep up in, on you unawares during a complex project. Hmm. You may think everyone's thinking the same way that you're on the same sheets, but you're not. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love that, and I love because kind of we have different different views of what's going on inside of a project team, and so we we make those assumptions, which already is is a potential flaw unless we check that assumption. But then we make an additional assumption. Once we've taken that step, we kind of make an additional assumption that okay, everybody's aligned with that, and they will be right throughout the the duration of this project, and yet that assumption probably needs to be challenged quite regularly yeah no exactly because people have enough challenges because they're already um embedded in their kind of departmental mental model hmm. and then you have the the project um challenges on top of that the project assumptions so you you continually have to bring people together you hmm. know for dialogue to make sure everyone really understands where you're heading excellent all right, final question. What of the buzz? What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? When I think about what frustrates me in this kind of age in which we're living, it can be the things that frustrate me are those things that are superficial. Um, I don't want to be too negative on this, but if I was to offer people advice, it's don't be afraid to go deep. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be philosophical because a lot of people think of, say, philosophy as arguing about things, talking about things, discussing things. But for me, my great discovery, maybe in the last 10 years, is that philosophy is a way of seeing. And the reason why the most difficult 
philosophical books. The reason why the most difficult philosophical books are difficult to read is because you're trying to intellectualize it, but it's not. That people are talking about a different way of seeing. So if you can enter into that way of seeing, then it just really opens up new levels of creativity. So yeah, differentiate by being deep. Don't get stuck in the often superficial aspects mm. of our modern world. Mm. Be brave. Go yeah. deep. Be brave. Go deep. Yeah, there's a lot in that too. And um, it's an interesting thought. I must uh, revisit some of those philosophical books that I've put aside because I thought, mm, this is really hard going and, and approach it with that mindset, see what happens. Well, thanks, Simon. Yeah, this no, is... I mean, oh, sorry. Yeah, go. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, this has been our, our approach from day one. You know, our, our consultancy work is founded on both universal human values and deep philosophical insights that we then translate into ways of working with people so it can be a bit scary you can feel a bit alone going down this path but don't be afraid because that's how we're going to that's how you know the best people innovate you know through this deeper source of creativity hmm. excellent well thanks simon a really enjoyable and insightful conversation it's been really great now where can people find out more about you and the work you do and also get a hold of the two books and i know you publish a lot of articles as well yeah yeah we have um, our website holonomics.co but also getting in touch with me um i use linkedin linkedin a lot and um as i said please check out our book deep tech and the amplified organization you know we've really written it um, in a way to help people understand, you know, this new thinking, the new frameworks necessary. And um, we really hope it inspires people as well with everything that we've put into it. Excellent. Well, Simon, what action would you like our listener to take away from our conversation today? I think some business leaders have said to us, oh, it's wonderful for you to talk about your values, but it's not possible for us as leaders to operate from the same values that we have at home in business. And what I say is that, no, it's absolutely possible. So the action is always base everything you do on your values. I'm not going to tell people what their mm -hmm. values are, but this will always protect you and it will always guide you when everything you do comes from your values this this when you, when we move away from our own value system that's when things mm. get out of sync in our lives so do that and that will always guide you um life has been very rough for a lot of people a lot of companies it's going to continue to be rough but you know the thing that will always anchor you is you when you base everything you do in your values mm. yeah that's Great advice, and and we have the choice to either challenge our values if we feel as though perhaps things have changed and and there's something that we have to explore there, or to go into an environment that's consistent and congruent with our values. And I know I've had uh, an experience where, in hindsight, I didn't recognise it at the time, but in hindsight, I I learned that the two years where I was really unhappy, the, 
core reason behind that was that the values shift in the organization had been such that there were key things that were totally at odds with my own personal values and that that when you're in that kind of situation that's not really good so operating from um, from your own values and being really clear about what they are and what actions you're taking that that will serve you well yeah exactly and you know this is fundamental for our company because we work with challenging organizations but these are challenging organizations that have recognized a necessity for change and transformation in some way and at the same time we have said no to working with other organizations where those core values just weren't there mm. so it's when you live your values you know when to say yes and you really know when mm. to say no maybe you're struggling with the dilemma but deep down it's your values that yeah. guide these difficult decisions sometimes it's not necessarily obvious at the surface but at a deeper level it is mm. great well great advice and finally simon who else should i get on the show and why i was thinking about this and I think there's someone very interesting that could offer a lot to the podcast. And this is Nicole Norris. I've known Nicole for a number of years now. I really respect her and the work that she's doing because she's really focused on business model innovation for a flourishing world. And right now she's a design manager at the Center for Changemaking and Social Innovation at uh, Georgian College in Ontario. And I think you could have a really interesting, wide-ranging conversation about, well, what's she doing, especially around um, innovation and social impact and inclusion. Mm. That'd be a very interesting conversation, you know, knowing Nicole. Excellent. All right, well, we'll get you to introduce us to Nicole and reach out to her. So look forward to that conversation as well. Absolutely. I think, I think that'd be a great one. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today. Simon, I've really enjoyed this conversation. We've, I think we've dug as deep as we can in, in the short time that we've had our conversation. And I'm sure that people will find this interesting enough that they will have all those links in the show notes. They can go check out your website, your various publications, your books, of course and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today. I've really enjoyed it immensely. I'm looking forward to sharing this with my audience. So thanks a lot, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, Jürgen. It's been absolutely fantastic. Really great conversation today. Thanks. Thanks so much for the invitation. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that deep and insightful conversation with Simon and took something away from his episode. So as you're listening right now, I invite you to revisit your values. Write them down. Get really clear about your personal values and your business values. Make sure your business values are visible to the team. Then always base everything you do on your values. That will be your guide, your North Star, so to speak. And you'll know when to say yes and when to say no. 
Simon's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Simon Robinson. That is S-I-M-O-N-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Simon Robinson. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Simon, as well as links to the Holonomics website, to all of his books, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you've listened this far into the show, and you love this conversation, then be brave enough to share it with another person you think it would be useful for. You'll be doing them a favour. They'll be grateful, believe me. Also, make sure to get the episode bookmark token, the permanent bookmark, your very own permanent bookmark, at innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks. For the cost of just a cup of coffee, you can have your very own permanent record of this show. Now, 50% of all the revenue from this episode token will go directly to Simon as the guest of the episode, and the other 50% goes towards supporting the show, the cost of the hosting of the podcast, the cost of all the software that we subscribe to to produce the show. Think of it as a way to support the guest and tell them that you love their episode and also to support the Innova Buzz podcast. Simon suggested that we have a conversation with Nicole Norris from the Centre for Changemaking and Social Innovation at Georgian College in Ontario on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Nicole, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Simon Robinson. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Now remember too, to go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel to collect your unique digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests, as well as to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.